Welcome to Books and Sound. I'm your host, Don Beavers, and this episode contains a digitally remastered theatrical presentation of one of the great works of literature. Please remember to subscribe so that you can enjoy new episodes as they are released. This podcast is provided free and offered without commercial interruption. If you enjoy the episode, please leave us a positive review so that we can grow the podcast. Enjoy. Tom Bosley, welcoming you again to the magic world of radio, where your imagination can take you anywhere you like, to thrilling adventures in the air, on land, or on the sea. Today, it's a sea adventure written by that master sailor and writer, Jack London. It's called The Sea Wolf. So put on your oil skins, your sea legs, and brace yourself. There's a big wave of adventure heading right your way. Our adventure story, The Sea Wolf, was written by Jack London and adapted especially for the General Mills Radio Adventure Theater by James Agate, Jr. I'll be back shortly with Act One. (laughs) Jack London, who wrote The Sea Wolf, was born in San Francisco, was very poor, and escaped his unhappiness suddenly one day when he was ten years old by discovering the public library and started to read of far-off places. At 17, he shipped out on a schooner to the Pacific to find those places. His own adventures were the background for this story, an account of one Humphrey Van Wyden. Humphrey had tasted adventure and mystery only in books and found out when his life was at stake... He was a real man. But since this is his story, let him tell it. Five minutes ago, I was on the ferry from Sausalito, heading for San Francisco. Fog everywhere. Four minutes ago, we were hit by a steamer. The ferry I was on heeled over, sinking fast, and I was thrown into the water. I couldn't see anybody or hear anybody. The fog getting worse. All the time, I was hanging on to a piece of wood as if my life depended on it, which it did because I cannot swim. Then I must have passed out. Now, well, it couldn't have been four minutes ago. More likely an hour and four minutes since the ferry boat sank. Oh, the water is so cold. If I don't drown, I'll freeze. Oh, still nothing but fog. Oh, Lord. There's a big three-master heading right for me. Help! Help! Here! I'm beyond the water! It looks out up there! Help! Hey! Hey, hey, stop it! Stop it, that hurts! (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, your answer. He's come to... Where am I? Oh, we dragged this skinny scarecrow out of the water, and this is the thanks we get, Captain. You answer? You think we should throw him back? I don't know. Not much meat on him. <laughs> how, how are you feeling now, sir? Uh, who are you? Uh, I'm the cook, Mugridge. Thomas Mugridge. Here, have this tea. Do you good. Uh, I'm, I'm all right. Let me up. 
Here, get this man some dry clothes. Cookie, find him something. Yes, Captain. You. You're a preacher. Hmm. You got a dead man needs some last rites before we sling him into the sea. No, I'm not I'm not a preacher. I'm a gentleman. Oh, a gentleman. <laughs> Is that what you do for a living? Be gentle? Who feeds you? I have an income. But Captain, I I don't see what this has to do with you. I wish to be put ashore. Who earned the money you live off, huh? Huh? I thought so. Your father, eh? He's deceased. What's your name? Humphrey Van Wyden. Let me see your hands. Uh, I thought so. Soft. Good for little else than dishwashing. I wish to be put ashore. I'll pay you whatever you judge your delay and trouble to be worth. I have a counter proposition to make you. For the good of your soul. My first mate just died. That's why I asked if we pulled a preacher out of the water. So we moved the men up. You take the cabin boy's place. Sign the articles for the cruise. $20 a month. What do you say? What are you? 20 19 Mind you, it's for your own soul's sake. It'll be the making of you. I'll give you $1,000. Stow that. To take up your duties as cabin boy. Or do I have to take you in hand? Well? Yes. Say yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. You'll make some money and something for yourself. We hunt seals off the coast of Japan. Ever killed a seal? No, I, I'm, no? I'm, no, no, sir. Well, you may have to learn. Your name Humphrey, huh? Yes, sir. Cookie, take him in hand. Teach him his duties. Mind you, Humphrey, the shipmates may call me Cookie, but to you, I'm Mr. Mugridge. You get that? Uh, yes, sir. I, I, I mean, Mr. Mugridge. Sir, where are my clothes? I got them drying out. What I give you may be a little big for you, but it'll keep you warm. Now, carry this bread aft. Go now. Hold on there, Humphrey. Take the teapot. What are they drinking? Sea water, you think? Look, sir! Will you get doused? Here she comes! Hold us under What are you doing on deck? Taking a bath? That wave hit. It bowled me over. What are you limping for? My knee. I, I smashed into something when the wave hit. Why didn't you hold on, stupid? Well, I don't know anything about the sea. I've been shanghaied aboard this tub, and I want to get off it and I'll stay on. This tub, as you call it, is all there is between you and heaven. You think you could manage out there by yourself? I don't want to be out there or here either. Then why did you sign on? Where's the teapot? Oh, you hung on to it. With all the good bread gone. Can't even carry a bit of tea aft without losing it. And what are you sniffling about? Because you hurt your poor little leg? And while I'm boiling up some more tea, you better wash the dishes. Now look sharp now. I see the old man bearing down on the galley. You're lucky you weren't swept overboard. Lucky is my middle name. Getting picked up by you and breaking my leg. Nothing but luck. <laughs> I suppose you know a bit about literary things. Eh? I like to read, sir. Good. Good. I'll have some talks with you sometime. So, there was more to Captain Wolf Larson than a fierce brute cowed his crewmen with a fist, a kick, and a snarl. 
One day, I was sent to his cabin to put it to the rights, make the bed and so forth. And there against the wall was a rack of books. Tennyson, Shakespeare, scientific books like Darwin, and one... <laughs> I had to laugh. The King's English. Under the bed, I found Browning's poems, open where he'd been reading it. I didn't see the captain come in. Uh, you're familiar with Browning, Humphrey? Oh, you startled me, sir. Oh, what startles you? Me or my reading? Well, sir, it is a bit of a... No reason if a man's at sea, his mind has to become waterlogged, eh? So, how are you and Mr. Muggridge getting on? Well, if you don't mind, Captain Larson, I'd like you to know I've been robbed. Well, how did it happen? When you picked me up, I gave my clothes to Mr. Muggridge to dry off when I got them back. All my money had disappeared out of my pockets. <laughs> As cookies pickings. Consider it a lesson. Any man who leaves money lying around deserves to lose it. You sinned, Humphrey. I did? Mm. You have no right to put temptation in his way. You tempted Cook, and he fell. Oh, it's my fault. No, you've been lucky so far. The men seem to have accepted you. But you're worth no more than they are. In the past, you've eaten better, maybe. Slept in softer beds, worn finer clothes. Who made those clothes, those beds, and those meals, huh? Not you. You never made anything. What have I ever done to you, Captain Larson? Ah, you'd like to go back to land where the odds are with you, right? Well, it's a whim of mine to keep you aboard this ship and keep you, I will. I may make you or break you. I could kill you now with a blow of my fist. I, I don't... I don't no, think... no, you don't now. But you will. By the way, how much was it that Cookie got away with? $185, sir. That much. I learned today the name of the ship, his ghost. The men are a tough, angry lot. But like lions backing away from a trainer's whip... They obey Wolf Larson without a murmur. There's one green hand in the crew besides myself. His name is Harrison, a clumsy country boy. Captain Larson had him sent aloft to ship the foregaff topsail, but it jammed. That day I was on deck with Johansson. Go out the halyards, Harrison! How high is it up there, Johansson? Eighty feet or so. That canvas is flapping to beat all. That Harrison boy is scared to death. Captain, the halyards are slacking and then jerking tight. He, he could be snapped off like a fly. Good for him. Look, look, he's lost hold. No, no, he is all right. Hooked himself by his feet. But there's nothing for him to grab with but his hands. He's hanging upside down. He'll move when he falls out. But, Captain, it's inhuman to leave him up there like that. He's no use to anybody if he's afraid. But that is no reason to... Look at him. The boy is too terrified to go up or to go down. I've told you what's what, and that's it. The man's mine, and I'll make soup of him and eat him if I want to. Humphrey looked at the sailors standing around on deck. No one besides Johansson cared one way or another. They stared up at the boy hanging by his feet, a human life grappling with death as though they were gazing at a bird or a cloud. Humphrey could not understand the callousness of these men. In his world, people behaved so differently. Life was sacred. But here, it counted for nothing. 
I'll be back shortly with Act Two. Life. The General Mills Radio Adventure Theater will return shortly. Jack London writes these thoughts for Humphrey. Sometimes I think Wolf Larson mad of strange moods and vagaries. Other times I take him for a great man, a genius who's never arrived. I'm convinced he's the perfect primitive man born a thousand years too late. To him, the men on board are like children. He plays with them like puppies, sometimes cruelly. Get the cards, Humphrey. Cookie here tells me he'd like a game. Oh, yeah, if you wish to, Captain. No, no, no. It was your idea. Oh, and, uh, Humphrey, bring out the cigars and whiskey you'll find in my berth. Uh, I don't know whether you know it, Captain Larson, but I'm a gentleman, son. Well, I wouldn't doubt it. I was paid. Paid handsomely to stay away from my ancestral home. Mm. Set the glasses and bottle right here, Humphrey. Yeah, I'll shuffle and deal. I'm afraid, pour two glasses. Well, shall we have one more hand? Humphrey, I think there are two more drinks left in that bottle. Empty it for Mr. Muggers and myself. Come on, Cookie. Or do you prefer to be called Mr. Muggridge? Hmm? What What are you upset about? A game is only a game. It's my losing streak, sir. Oh, that does happen. Your hands appear to be a little shaky. I think I'd better do the honors, wouldn't you say? Well, it'd be only fair if I dealt just once. How could you deal? Look at your hands shaking. I'm doing you the favor. Here. Here, finish your drink like a man. Pick up your cards. <laughs> Cookie, I do not believe it. It's true. I'm cleaned out. All my savings. Cleaned out. Don't have... Don't have another penny. Humphrey, kindly take Mr. Mugridge's arm and help him on deck. He's not feeling very well. No, no. I've got some honor left. I can leave a game on my own feet. Good day, Captain. Well, now, that didn't take long, did it, Humphrey? How much did he leave me? A hundred, sixty, seventy... Eighty-five dollars even, just as I thought. The beggar came aboard without a cent. And what you have won is mine, sir. Humphrey, I've studied some grammar in my time, and I think your tenses are tangled. Was mine, you should have said. Not is mine. It's not a question of grammar, but of ethics. It is not a question of grammar or ethics, but a fact. I understand. The fact is you have the money. That's avoiding the real question, which is one of right. Oh, Oh, you still believe in such things, huh? Right, wrong. Don't you at all? Not the least bit. Might is right, and that is all there is to it. Weakness is wrong. Have you no weakness, then? Oh, yes. My head. My eyes. Blinding sometimes. Sometimes I feel I'm dying. But in the meantime, it is the survival of the fittest. The instinct of the caveman. So you are utterly without morals. That's right. Man of whom to always be afraid. That's the way to put it. As one is afraid of a snake or a tiger or a shark. Now you know me. And you know me as I'm generally known. Other men call me Wolf.
My friendship with Wolf Larsen still puzzles me. It's more like the relationship of King and Jester. Two months aboard the Ghost, and my muscles are hardening. I don't recognize the Humphrey Van Wyden who was fished out of the San Francisco Bay. But Johansson, the first mate, warns me to watch out. You watch out because the captain is as contrary as currents of air or water. Just as you're thinking you know him and are making a favorable slant, he whirls around, dead ahead, and comes howling down upon you. Now you have to recognize Johansson. The man is a beast. Keep him at bay. Make him know you're his intellectual superior. And he's yours. Oh, Humphrey, you... Now, what is he really but an animal with big ideas about life and death? And so far as books go, does he really know what the words mean he's been reading? Humphrey, look out! My dear Humphrey, tell me what your opinion of life and death is. Oh, eh? Your hand! My throat! Uh, oh, please Now, don't. what if I should press the life out of you? Like so, hmm? Do you know more of life and death than I? Oh. Let him go, Captain. Uh, he didn't mean your it. Your puny strength is struggling to live. To live, huh? You're crying. There, there, you kick. You kick with your legs, huh? Your chest heaves, strains. To live. Mm, to live. There. There. Let him lie there. Oh. Don't oh. talk about the meaning of life and death. Become a man. And then your voice will be heard. Don't help him up your answer. He can get up by himself. Yes. With your strength, you are master here. I was... I was coming to tell you, Humphrey. We're short a mate. Hereafter, you shall stand watches, receive $75 a month, and be addressed fore and aft as Mr. Van Wyden. I... I don't understand navigation. To begin, it's not necessary... You'll pick it up. I know you. I really do not care to sit in high places. I find life precarious enough, and I've no experience. Uh, listen to him, Johansson. Was ever such a contrary man? I will not be mate on this hell ship. It's all settled, then. You better get in those topsails, Mr. Van Wyden. The ghost is nearing where the seals are. The seal hunters have practiced with their rifles. The boat pullers binding the oarlocks and oars in leather so they'll make no noise in creeping up on the seals. Harrison, the green sailor who had hung by his heels 80 feet over the deck, came to me one evening when I was standing watch. Mr. Van Wyden, how far are we off the coast and what are the bearings of Yokohama? West-northwest, Harrison. For Yokohama, I'd estimate it's 500 miles away. Thank you, sir. Harrison. Yes, sir? You're not thinking of going it alone, are you? Oh, no, sir. Johansson and I, we're going to make a run for it together. The very best of luck to you both. Humphrey! Humphrey! Help me on deck! Well, well, where are you, Captain? Over the side! Help me up! Over the rail! Good Lord, sir! Where have you come from? The sea, Humphrey. You, you have? You're wringing wet. I, I'm more than that. Oh, my God, you're bleeding. That's a terrible cut on your head. I must have tripped. Tripped on something and fallen overboard, eh, Humphrey? What, what do you say? Uh, no, I don't suppose it was you who clobbered me. You think that some... Where's the worst mate? Huh? Johansson? Johansson? 
Where is he? I haven't seen him, sir. I've been at my watch. Shall I look for him in the steerage, sir? Follow me. We'll have a look together. Shouldn't we do something about that cut on your head? I shan't lead to death, my boy. Come along. See, I was forward. I was attacked by how many, I don't know. At least two. They tossed me overboard. I don't relish going over the side with my scalp laid open. Here. Follow me to the folks on shuttle. Take the sea lamp from the hook and stand by me. Oh, what are you going to do, sir? There's one certain test whether a man's sleeping is really sleeping. If he's not sleeping, but pretending to sleep. Why, perhaps he was on deck just now. Perhaps even behind me with a belaying pin. What sure way is that, sir? Feeling his pulse. So here we have eight men down here all apparently asleep. Fast asleep. Here, hold that light here. Now... No, not Tanaka. Over to Benson's bunk. Hold it there. Benson's in the clear. Hold the light higher. Who's this? Harris. Murder, mutiny. But fate had other plans for Wolf Larson. He was able to crawl away all in one piece. In his cabin, I bound up his wounds. Since the seals had to be hunted, there was nothing Wolf Larson could do right now. The would-be mutineers also put away their anger. There would be a time later. Then, fate played another hand, a trick. We fished out of the sea, four men and a woman... Survivors of the shipwreck. Mr. Van Wyden, you take the lady below and see to her comfort. Make up that spare port cabin. Put Cook to work on it. See what you can do for the lady's face. We in that open boat, the sun has burned her face badly. Let me take your arm down these companion stairs, miss. No need to go to any trouble for me. I know what it's like to be rescued at sea. Did that happen to you? It certainly did. Here's your cabin. You sit yourself on the bunk and I'll I'll go to get some ointment for your face. To be so near Japan and have this happen. When did your boat sink? Two nights ago. In the fog, we struck something. I was lucky those four crewmen picked me up. Here, here. Put this gently on your face. Oh, would you do it? I'm afraid my hand shakes so. Gladly. <laughs> Just an hour ago, the men rowing were looking for land, so we should be in port in a few hours, don't you think? If it were any other captain but ours, I dare you'd be ashore tomorrow. But our captain is a strange man, and I beg you, be prepared for anything. Here, how does your face feel now? Better? Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, may I come in? Well, how do you feel, ma'am? Oh, much better. Thank you. We'll have the other loose clothes and do some dry things in no time. This port cabin will be yours. The crewman of your ship tell me your name is, is Miss Brewster, is that right? Yes. 
Maud Brewster. Uh, welcome to the ghost. My name is Wolf Larson. This is Mr. Van Wyden, uh, Humphrey. Pleased to make your acquaintance. Humphrey, please go on deck and see two of the crewmen are given quarters. Oh, I shall. But I thought that first perhaps... Do it yes. now. Worry about Miss Brewster. I shall take care she has everything she needs. Rescuing the shipwrecked was a sideline the ghost could not avoid. But hunting seal skins was the main purpose of its journey, and now that began in earnest. For days on end, the decks were covered with seal hides. The scuppers ran red as the sailors peeled the skins, Humphrey counting the pelts, keeping score. It did not take him long to realize the overly protected life he had led was no more. He would never be the same again. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. The General Mills Radio Adventure Theater will return shortly. Zabra! An unexpected woman aboard under the best of circumstances is a problem. Not that Wolf Larson was at all ashamed of the way he made his living, but just the same, he did all he could to keep Maud Brewster from seeing the slaughter on deck. He did what he could to see she ate her food below and kept to her cabin. Who is it? Me, Captain Larson. May I come in? Oh, yes. Well, good morning, Miss Brewster. I stopped by to find if you had a good night. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, Captain, when shall we be arriving in Yokohama? Oh, four months, possibly three, if the season closes early. Well, I was given to understand Yokohama was only a day's sail away. Oh, were you? What you're doing, it, it, it's not right. You're virtually kidnapping me. No, I... no. We're very hospitable aboard the ghost. Mr. Van Wyden discovered that. You just ask him. We do everything to make our guests feel at home. You must try to understand, Miss Brewster. The laws which operate here are not the laws of the land that you and I have lived by. But four whole months on this ship with these ugly creatures... I feel as if I've been thrown into a lion cage, and the only question is who will attack me first. What would you advise me to do? Kill Captain Larson? No. No, not that. Then what? Man has no conscience. Nothing is sacred to him. His whim, pure and simple, that he kept me aboard the ghost. But there must be a way. I can do nothing, because I am a slave to this monster, as you are now a slave to him. Haven't the strength to fight him. The whole idea of remaining on this ship turns my stomach. Oh, please. You must do something, otherwise I, I can't be responsible. If you think of what I'm saying, you'll realize there's nothing else for you to do but act a part if you want to live. A few nights later, something awoke me. I moved down the corridor to Miss Brewster's cabin. I threw open her door. The cabin light was burning low. I saw her straining against the crushing embrace of Wolf Larson standing by the door. I tried to pull him from her. He shook me off like a fly. Then, suddenly... 
Nothing, nothing. It's, it's an attack. He gets them, he told me. Good one. Good one. Where are you? Here I am. Here I am. What's the matter? I must... I must get into my bunk. Lend me a hand. I'll be all right. Here. Here you go. These unholy headaches. I was afraid of them. I had a feeling when she came on board. No. No, that's crazy. It's all right. It's all right. Like a manager, Humphrey. It's crazy. Crazy, isn't it? How, how a woman... I'm afraid. Oh, Humphrey, I'm so afraid. No, no, don't be. Don't be. It's funny. He's saying the headaches. His eyes going bad on him. A woman... I, I thought he meant me. I, I think he meant... You may have awakened an old memory. Opened an old wound. He's never talked to me about a woman in his life. Maud, listen... Would you trust yourself to me for a journey of 600 miles? You mean we... There's nothing left for us but the open boat. When? Now. Tonight. Dress as warmly as you can and gather whatever you wish in a bundle. I'll take care of the supplies in the boat. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing out of relief. <laughs> I can see it very clearly now. Death is certain if we stay here. Yes. If we go out in a boat and try for a land... At least we have a chance. The days were gray and chill. Our boat, so small on the vast Pacific Ocean, was close-hauled on a fresh breeze, and the compass indicated we were right on course for Japan. It took the tiller day and night, but I couldn't go without sleep indefinitely. I had to teach Maud how to handle the sail and the steering oar. <laughs> she was a good pupil, and soon learned to keep the course... Days passed, a week, and finally land. An island, not even on the charts. The first night we slept, exhausted, on the beach. The next morning... I think we've unloaded all our supplies. Oh, you marvelous man. You brought cans of coffee. No, I'm a fool, an idiot. No matches. Not one single match did I bring. No coffee, no tea, no soup, anything. Wait a minute. Didn't Robinson Crusoe rub two sticks together? No, it can't be done. Well, not by me. But didn't you bring ammunition for the guns? Yes. Why? Well, I'll show you something my father taught me. Take out your knife. And shave off some of that wood. Go on. Now, here's a piece of paper for my diary. We'll put that over the shavings. Now, take a shotgun shell. Right. Now, pull out the wads and the empty powder... That under the paper. Pry off the primer. Oh, I do believe you know what you're doing. <laughs> Lay that down. Now, hand me that big flat rock. Now, watch this. Rub. <laughs> I'll get more wood. We'll keep this going day and night. Oh, you take it so for granted. <laughs> well, I'm half ashamed and half delighted. I may make the fires around here, but I'm counting on you to find out where we are. And to get us back to real land. I'll do my best. We've come this far. There's no stopping us now. Winter was coming on, and that meant high seas we could never overcome in our small boat. We decided to wait until spring and made our home a cave not far from the water's edge. We sailed around the island, often looking for signs of human life. But no one had ever been here before. 
One night, the first violent storm broke. We huddled in our cave. And the next morning, I went to the beach to make sure our boat was safe. And I saw a ghost. Not 50 feet away, half beached, half in the water, lay the black-hulled boat we had escaped from. The ghost. A tangle of masts and booms, shrouds and sheets and rent canvas. I ran back for my gun and climbed aboard. Good morning, Mr. Van Wyden. I cannot see you very well. Something is wrong with my eyes. Oh, oh, you have a gun. I can hear you with it. Why don't you shoot, huh? I'm quite alone, my boy. They all jump chip. By all means, shoot me. Stay away from me. I'm free. You can't fire that pistol. Your conventional morality is stronger than you are. In spite of what I've taught you, you cannot kill an unarmed man. Tell me, what island is this? What's its bearing? Haven't any idea. You ought to know, Wolf. What are your last observations? My most recent observation is... You are calling me by my first name. Good beginning, Humphrey. So far as latitudes, I had no instruments. They robbed me of sextants, everything. Where are all hands? How is it you're alone? Another ship passed by and those mutinous dogs... Oh, they went over the side to her. There I was, marooned on my own vessel. How did you lose the masts? Walk over and examine those lanyards. They're almost cut. Just enough left to hold the shrouds. Could have been any one of them. Leaving me to die. Storm last night ripped the ship apart and brought me here. Oh! What is it? The old head again. It's like a vice. Squeezing my brain. I've got to lie down. You just stay your distance, Wolf. <laughs> Still don't trust me, huh? Can't say as I blame you. I'm just going to just lie down on the deck here. Now's your chance, Humphrey. You have me exactly where you, where you want me. Oh, no, I haven't. Where I want you is a thousand miles away from here. Where is he? Did he hide while we're working on the boat? He must be. Since we started putting the ghost back in shape to sail, he's disappeared. Do you think he knows what we're doing? Of course he knows. But it suits him. Two able-bodied people making the ghost sailable. But you're sure he can't see at all? Yes. I'd say he's totally blind. It's some disease. Something, something to do with his head. But he won't let go. He has to prove he's still the master. Even if it means... Killing us. There was always a craziness about him. Now I'm convinced he's quite mad. Humphrey, do you think we can repair all that has to be done to sail her? I'm sure of it. I'm going to go below for a long crowbar. You keep giving that rope a steady pull until the spar is out of the water. You understand? Yes. And here, just in case he shows up, take the gun. Oh, uh, I don't know as I could use it. I thought you were an outdoors girl. Taught by your father. Oh, I can fire a gun. But at Wolf Larson, a blind man? All you have to do is cock the trigger. He'll be warned. He hears very well. It won't be far. Shout, and I'll come running. Good day, Miss Brewster. Oh. Ah, Mr. Van Wyden is correct. I do hear exceedingly well. Ah, you seem to be busy. Hello, Captain. How are you feeling today? The better for knowing you're aboard. Captain Larson, 
Please don't come any closer or I shall have to shoot you. <laughs> you little thing. You can't even hold the gun steady. Help. Here. Here. I'm free. Give me that. Oh, Give it to I'm me. Free. Give it here. Let go of her. Let go. What you hit him with? That's incredible. He's still breathing? I've, I've never used a seal club before. You all right? Oh, yes, yes. He's got the gun, Humphrey. This, this vessel is my property. My property, you understand? I forbid you to repair her. Well, nothing is going to stop us from making the ghost seaworthy. Nothing. You'd better run and hide. Even if I can't see you, I can shoot at the sound of your voice. Wide of the mark, Wolf. Once you were able to eat me, as you like to call it. But those days are over. I can't... I can't hear anything. I pull the trigger, but I... I can't... I can't hear the shots. Wolf? Wolf? He's dead. Are you sure? Yes. Must have had a stroke. Massive stroke. In a matter of days, we had launched the ghost and headed out to the open sea. We buried Wolf Larsen, the sea wolf, where sailors wished to be interred in the ocean. The only part of the service I remembered was, and a body shall be cast into the sea. Humphrey Van Wyden and Maud Brewster, two ordinary people tossed up by the sea onto the deck of a schooner, found in themselves strengths they hardly knew they possessed. What happened to them, I'll tell you when I return in a moment. Buried in the sea or not, the spirit of Wolf Larsen stood beside Humphrey at the wheel as he steered the ghost mile after mile. For had it not been for Wolf Larsen's insistence that Humphrey make a man of himself, could he ever have sailed that ship alone? They'd made some 200 miles when a small steamship, rolling and pitching, came into view. A United States revenue cutter looking for ships, hunting for seals. But the only contraband they found on the ghost were two very grateful people, a skipper and his mate. Monkey out of me. Our cast included Christopher Tabori, Marion Seldes, Joe Silva, Ian Martin, and Joe DeSantis. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Tom Bosley inviting you to return to the General Mills Radio Adventure Theater for another exciting tale you can hear through the magic of radio. The General Mills Radio Adventure Theater is recommended by NEA, the National Education Association.